Hey, you busy? Mm-mm. Okay, let me run something past you real quick. So at least once a week, my husband and I go on a little community walk. Oh, it's one of my favorite exercises, leisure, pastime things to do. And it serves as such a groundwork for what I feel like God is trying to do, not only in my life, but in the lives of all of us, right? So the walks are, an, it has an intimacy level to me. Because when we walk, we're able to enjoy the weather. We're able to have really concentrated conversations. We are able to aid to our bodies because it's actually an exercise, if you will, because how, how, I mean, we get our steps in, I'm talking miles, like, yeah, we're going to go ahead and do multiple laps. And to be honest with you, it's one of the things that I really look forward to. It's a, it's a thing that he and I only do. We don't take anyone on the walks with us. We don't take the pup pups. We don't, it, it is, we, phones are left behind. Only time that I bring my phone is because I wanted to calculate the steps that is being taken. But other than that, it's a very intimate, enjoyable, just, I love it. And the more that we walk, I started to see the spiritual side of it. I said, you know, before we actually got married, we were courting and I believe that we did some really, really intentional premarital work um, and laid the groundwork out for our marriage. Not only just doing the premarital counseling, but we really wanted to ensure that we were going in the same direction. We wanted to make sure that there were no undercover or unspoken desires of our hearts that would clash later on. Like I didn't want to fly airplanes in West Africa. And he was like, I just want to open up a factory in Hawaii. Like you see how those two things are like, so how do we merge these two things? Because ultimately what a marriage is, God is putting two together, but you need to make sure that what he is putting together won't clash in any kind of way. You need to do your due diligence. And so Once we confirmed, okay, you know what? God is putting us together and this is what's happening. We wanted to make sure that our lanes were adjusted. So where do we want to live? How do we want our household to be ran? How do we want our finances to look? I mean, we really, really, whatever was statistically known to have made certain marriages go in a different direction, we wanted to uncover, unveil, and make sure that the groundwork was there. And it's beautiful. So when we go on these particular walks, it gives me a spiritual insight on some of the work that we've done. And lately, I have been feeling this tug at my heart that God is like, I want you to walk with me. And I was like, "Mm, okay, so (laughs) what do you mean by that? He said, you know, I feel like if you were to walk with me, the way that I intended for you to walk with me, that you would enjoy your life more, that you would enjoy the path and processes that I decide to take for your life, that you would take whatever it is that I'm doing and you would relax and you will ultimately build another level of faith, another level of trust because you understand how to walk with me. I said, well, God, what, what have I been doing? You, he said, um, you've been walking just not with me. 
And then I had to reflect back on when my husband and I walk. I said, well, when he and I walk, it's the same cadence, even though he's taller than me, his legs are longer than me. He doesn't take, it's almost like he makes sure that we're walking in the same breath, in the same vein, because we have to, not not only because the walk was meant to be together, but if he walks too far ahead of me, I can't hear him. If I walk too far behind him, again, same thing, communication is disrupted. And there's a lot of things that goes in with walking with my husband. Because there's dogs in the subdivision, okay? But I noticed that, honestly, I don't walk in the community without my husband for that very reason. The walks are not just a level of intimacy. There's a level of protection there. I know that if my husband is with me and I walk on the inside of the street, like my granddaddy said, that I'm protected by him. But if I get too far ahead of my husband and God forbid something happens, my husband will have to exasperate himself and run up to me in order to catch me to protect me. If I drag and I trail behind my husband, he does not have eyes in the back of his head. So he would have to discern here and I would have to exert myself and call out to him and scream. And hopefully he hears me in order to then turn around and derail his path on the path that we're supposed to be walking on. He would have to recalculate his steps to come back to get me to protect me, to get me back on track. And God was like, does that look like the way you walk with me? The latter? Or does it look like you walk with me with the way that you enjoy with your husband? And I said, ooh, okay. <laughs> Are we going to do this just randomly, God? This is how we doing? And if I'm honest, I kept reading certain scriptures. And whenever I would see the word walk, I would feel something. And I was like, God, you've been trying to get my attention on this for a minute. And he was like, yes. He unveiled to me that some of my inability to really recline and trust in him is because I don't walk with him. I said, now, God, you're going to have to explain that to me because I feel like we on the same street. He said, yeah, but we don't walk in the same pace. Sometimes you get excited and you foresee and you go out and you go out before me. Sometimes, you know, it doesn't make sense to you or you're a little afraid, so you delay and now you're trailing behind me. Sometimes you feel like, okay, uh, how you put too much space in between us because you got other things that you're focusing on. And although you may be walking in the same alignment with me, I can't communicate with you because your attention is elsewhere. And I said, wow, I get it. So when I read Amos 3, Amos 3, 2, one of the core factors of what I even built our, or we built our marriage on is three. How can two people walk together without agreeing on the direction? And when I read it in other versions, you know, the King James say, how can, what well, can two walk together except they be agreed? Okay. I want to make sure I bring it down to my roots. NIV says, do two walk together unless they have agreed to do so? And then an NLT version says, can two people walk together without the agreeing, agreeing on their direction? 
ironically, you know that I read from the NLT version. The NLT version was the only one that I read that had the word direction on it. And that's the first time that my attention was grasped in that you can walk with someone and you can agree to walk in the same pace, but are you going in the same direction? Now, I felt some kind of way because I, I had discernment enough to know that, yeah, my husband and I can agree on a lot, but we need to also agree on direction. <laughs> Where are we going? No, no, I know we both agree that this is what we practice religiously. This is how we look at, you know, friendships. This is how we look at, but I need to know that the direction and the paths that we're taking, they intersect. And not only that, because I don't want to parallel my life to someone that I'm like, these two never cross. How are we supposed to become one and we're not on the same path? And so for some reason, I I was wise enough to know that that is needed for a covenant, but I never connected the two to say, and you also need to have that with God. Yeah, agreeing on the direction says it doesn't have to make sense to you, grandbaby. Okay. I don't care if you like God, why would you use me? I've never built an ark before, Noah. Lord, why would you use me? You know, got a little bit of a speech impediment, Moses. Why would you use me to be a disciple? And all I've been is a fisherman my whole life, Peter. Why would you use me? And, you know, the family is just very much given lowest, lowest denominator. And then within that family, he's the lowest denominator. Like, you sure you meant to choose that one, Gideon? Like you can go on and on and on about all the people that God called and very rarely was somebody just like, sure, let's go. It's like, it's cool to agree that, okay, God can use me. But then when you don't really like the direction that he's about to take you on, when you don't like the process and the path that he's about to take you on, that's where the agreement gets a little bit stutter stepped. And if I'm honest with you, the path and the season that I'm on, I'm unlocking and unveiling anything that tries to be a, a block to truly giving God my yes and my amen. When I read in the Bible that he called out and was like, who, who will I send? Who will go for us? And then the response was, here I am. Send me, Lord. I, I felt something about that. Yeah, I don't want God ever looking to and fro on the earth and like, man, who's going to represent me? Who's going to do this awesome thing? Who's going to who's willing to be a vessel? Who can I trust enough? Whose character can sustain this huge blessing? Who can I go ahead and show favor through somebody else by blessing this particular vessel to be a blessing to someone else? Who would be the arms and legs of me? Who would be the representation of me? Who wants to be a mannequin for the kingdom? I feel like, yo, I don't want him looking around. Here I am, Lord. <laughs> you need me? Yoo-hoo, I'm sorry, did I get lost? <laughs> let me get back, let me whip this real quick and recalculate and get back in the vicinity because if you're looking for anybody, that means that I'm not where I'm supposed to be. So while you looking left to right, like who can I send? Either I'm too small or I haven't made myself aware or I haven't put myself on your radar, but my bad, Lord, here I am. And that did something to me. God has been showing me the art of walking with him. And I'll be honest with you. What really got me was that I always jokingly said, and I don't know if you remember me saying it in a couple of other conversations, but I've always said, I really admire Enoch. 
Because he was one of the first grandbabies that God was like, bruh, not going to hold you from the crown of your head to the soles of your feet. You already maximum dopeness. I'm going to just go ahead and scoop you real quick. Let me see. One, two, three. Get in my hand. Okay, great. And I'm going to just bring you up to heaven as is because you dope. And I was like, what did Enoch do that made him have a level of dopeness that God was like, bruh, as is. Morning breath and all, you can just come on over, sir. <laughs> just go ahead and, yeah, transfer over to, mm-hmm, press the button, elevator go up. And that's it. That's what we're getting ready to do. And I was like, wow. Then reading the same thing about Stephen, you know, there's one other person, but Enoch was the first recorded that got my attention. And I said, you know what? I, I want to read about him. Because if he's that dope, then clearly he did something amazing, right? So Genesis 5, NOT version knows where I read from. And I want to read from verse 21. When Enoch was 65 years old, he became the father of Methuselah. 22. After the birth of Methuselah, Enoch lived in close fellowship with God for 300 years. And he had other sons and daughters. 23. Enoch lived 365 years, 24, walking in close fellowship with God. Then one day he disappeared because God took him. No, I'm still on the phone. Um, okay, I was expecting to see that maybe he had killed a couple of more Goliaths. Maybe he had went ahead and mm, tussled with the enemy like, <laughs> oh, so you like to tussle. And he won, you know, millions and thousands of. I was expecting, I'm not going to hold you. I was expecting something a little bit more action packed. A, a little bit like, oh, that's impressive, right? Number wise. And maybe, you know, forgive me. I have a disdain because unfortunately I'm a part of a generation that you not popping and you not dope. If you don't got some commas in what you doing or a hierarchy that has been sustained as higher up in that particular chain of command. And so we look for bigger and grander and broader. And, but when I read what made this man so dope, it don't tell me nothing outside of verse 24, walking in close fellowship with God. Walking. Okay. Oh, but you didn't get the part. Go back. When Enoch was 65 years old, he became the father of Methuselah. After the birth of Methuselah, Enoch lived in close fellowship with God for another 300 years. He had other sons and daughters. Enoch lived 365 years walking in close fellowship with God. Then one day he disappeared because God took him. So that goes ahead and puts a, you know, a little monkey wrench into the game because most people feel like, oh, but I wasn't born in a church. No, you don't understand the family of origin that I come from. They all sailors. I'm sorry. <laughs> I got a Popeye situation in my situation too. This goes to show you he didn't start off like that, but you know what? Something happened when he gave birth to this baby. Something about when he became the father of Methuselah. It was like, mm, because it was so potent that the Bible had to record after he, he birthed uh, that son. Yeah. He walked in close fellowship with God for another 300 years. 
And it's not ironic to me that Enoch lived to be 365 years old. I really believe that he was so dope. God was like, you know what? I'm going to mark that to be a calendar year. Yeah, that, that, that will be the beginning. And, and you're going to always have an imprint, silent but very, very loud, that um, whenever they mention 365 days, they, they're going to say a year. But we, we should have just called it an Enoch. Yeah, this is Enoch 2020, whatever. <laughs> you see what I'm saying? Like, yo, forget the word year. We're just going to say Enoch. Yeah, no. What, what Enoch was you born? 19, blah, blah. <laughs> you see what I'm saying? It probably would have sounded weird because we're not used to it because, you know, we know the word year. But could you imagine we referenced everything instead of saying the word year, we said Enoch because that's how dope he is. God said, I'm going to shape a year around you. It's going to have to be 10 Enochs to be a decade. <laughs> you understand? Listen, I may low-key go ahead and start calling it Enochs. You can say what you want. I'm going to go ahead and do what I want because I'm God shall. Have a nice day. Try me not. Okay, okay. But the, the doper thing is that I didn't stop there. I wanted to go ahead and read a few verses down. So we know that Enoch's son was Methuselah, right? 25, when Methuselah was 187 years old, he became the father of Lamech. 26, after the birth of Lamech, Methuselah lived another 782 years and he had other sons and daughters. Methuselah lived 969 years and then he died. 28, when Lamech was 182 years old, he became the father of a son. 29, Lamech named his son Noah. For he said, may he bring us relief from our work and the painful labor of farming this ground that the Lord has cursed. After the birth of Noah, Lamech lived another 595 years and he had other sons and daughters. Lamech lived 777 years and then he died. After Noah was 500 years old, he became the father of Shem, Ham, and Jepheth. And then when I went to the very next chapter, Genesis 6, don't you know I read something else that was kind of like, huh? Genesis 6, 9, this is the account of Noah and his family. Noah was a righteous man, the only blameless person living on earth at the time, and he walked in close fellowship with God. I said, now, time out. Once again, yet I don't know anything about Noah I don't know what he was doing before he had them three boys. I don't know what his profession was. I know that he was a vineyard. I, f I figured it out later because in the second world, that's when he went ahead and started planting and doing this stuff. I don't know, um, you know, his interactions. Like All I know is that he comes from a lineage of a man named Enoch who shifted his generation, who shifted his bloodline, because that was the first time that it was documented that someone walked with God. You know how you go past the Genesis 5, the begots, and the Adam begots, and okay, I'm just, I'm over it. But you know what? When it got to Enoch, that's the only time that it was recorded that someone was walking in close fellowship with God. So it's not a coincidence that maybe two grandbabies removed that now no one enters the scene because Lamech had right enough mind to say, you know what? I'm going to put a special anointing on this little boy named Noah that he's going to 
be the one that has to, yo, he got to, when he enters the chat, like this got to end. Like we got to go ahead and update our phones because we can't just keep doing the same thing over and over and over again. What was it about Lemic that had just discernment enough to be like, this is the son that's going to be different. Maybe it had to do with the fact that Limit's father was Methuselah. Maybe Methuselah raised him differently. Why? Because Methuselah's father was Enoch and Enoch was the one that walked closely with God. You mean to tell me that you can shift your entire generation? Absolutely. Because why was Genesis 5 written in the first place? It literally says in the first verse, this is the written account of the descendants of Adam. When God created human beings, he made them to be like himself. Pause. This was supposed to give you the illustration of Adam. So Adam messed up, didn't he? Adam didn't do so good. I don't want to know nothing that came from Adam. He could have a nice day. I don't know him from Adam. <laughs> you understand? Don't know nothing about him. Don't want to know about him. But you know what? You, it doesn't stop at Adam. Yeah, Adam had did some stuff, and then he gave birth to Seth, and then Seth went ahead and got Enosh, and then Enosh did Kenan, and Kenan did the other grandbabies who their names is hard to pronounce, and then that's when Jerry entered the scene, not the jewelry store, but the grandbaby thereof, and then Enoch, he was the only one. It's not until we get to verse 21 that we like, okay, somebody entered the chat that really wanted to do it God's way. Why? Because that's what God intended in the first place. Adam didn't do it. How do I know that Adam didn't do it? because God had to call out where are you Adam where are you as God was walking in the cool of the day he had to ask him where are you hmm what you say okay let me go back to Genesis 3 Genesis 3 verse 7 at that moment their eyes were opened that's after they ate the fruit and they suddenly felt shame at their nakedness. So they sewed fig leaves together to cover themselves. Eight, when the cool evening breezes were blowing, the man and his wife heard the Lord walking about in the garden. So they hid from the Lord among the trees. Nine, then the Lord called to the man, where are you? 10, he replied, I heard you walking in the garden. So I hid. I was afraid because I was naked. 11, who told you that you were naked? The Lord God asked. Have you eaten from the tree whose fruit I commanded you not to eat? Pause. I always read this like God was trying to get him to discern. Um, you maybe you should just come out and say what you did, sir, because um, yeah, like, where are you? But now looking closely, what I seen is God was like, mm -mm, I'm used to walking in the cool of the day with you. I'm used to you walking with me. I'm always going to be where I intended for you to be. So now that it literally documents in verse eight, when the cool evening breezes were blowing, the man and his wife heard the Lord walking about in the garden. So they hid from the Lord God among the trees. Nine, then the Lord God called to the man, where are you? Where are you? Not because I really don't know where you are, not because I want to play the first documented spiritual game of hide and go seek, but it's more so of this is not normal. I created you and I showed you that you would live the most optimal life if you walk with me. But now that I have arrived to where you should be and you're not here, something is off. So let me get your attention. Where are you? Because God was literally clear, I'm walking, but you're not here. 
I showed up, but you're inconsistent. I'm where you're supposed to be, but you're hiding because you let the enemy get in your ear. You let people distract you. You let E or the above. And so very few times does God actually ask, where are you? It's only when he really is trying to get your attention to be like, you're not supposed to be here. Didn't he do that to Elijah? When the Bible says that he ran from Jezebel, he got into the cave and it was like, oh, let me just go ahead and hide. He, God asked him several times, why are you here, Elijah? And I realized that he only pulls that out when, when what you're doing is so polar opposite from what you were expected to do and what you were doing previously that he's trying to get your attention. If you do not come back to where you hear my voice, you are literally going to fumble this bag. You are literally going to leave some stuff on the table and I'm trying to create a table and anoint you in front of your enemies, but you are about to have it where it's a vacant seat. I don't want you going so far out that I, you can't hear me and I can't see you. That means that you are too far out. We don't like that kind of Marco Polo in the spiritual realm. What he's doing is he's trying to get your attention. You ever had a situation that you're like, I don't know what's going on, but something feels off. I don't know why, but I don't feel like I'm supposed to take that job. I don't know what it is, but I feel like I'm not supposed to continue to talk to such and such. I don't know. And you couldn't put your finger on it, but it was a real, like something is off. I feel like every now and again, we get that and how we are aligned with God. And if we're quiet enough, we will hear in our souls the question from our spirit. Where are you? Because God's goal is that he wants you to walk with him. Walking with God is not just, oh, okay, we have the same pace. It's that you have agreed on the direction on where he wants you to be. When he told Jonah, listen, I need you to go to the people of Nineveh and do some stuff. Jonah took a completely different direction. That's why he ended up in a place that God never intended. Now you in, in the mouth of a great fish, sir. <laughs> Did you mean to do that? No, but you decided when you heard God's voice that you were going to be in the place that was going to have you like, yeah, so God is clearly not here. He's not. In order to get the most potent result of what God has for your life, you need to be in agreement with him and being in agreement with him. It's not only that you are walking with him, it's that you are walking in agreement with him in the direction that he chooses to take you and the path that he decides to use and the processes that he decides to implement, that you have a trust when it comes to how he's doing the thing. You're not questioning him. He, Y'all don't have to have this like friction along the path that it is a a walk that looks exactly like the cool evening breezes. I want to get to a place that we all enjoy walking with God the way that I enjoy having walks with my husband. I couldn't imagine us walking together. And it was, I mean, it gets to the point that when it's time to do certain curves and stuff, we have to ask each other right or left so that we continue our walk with each other because we're, if we're walking and he takes a left and I take a right, guess what? We're walking. We're just not walking with each other because we haven't agreed on the direction. So in this particular season, I feel like God is trying to really bring that home 
It's only a few times that people are documented where they walked with God and close fellowship with God. And I want in our own personal books of life in the heavenly realm, I wanted to document just that. Not that we accomplished a whole bunch, not that we made a whole bunch of money, not that we pursued the career path and got all the accolades, not any of that. Nothing. Don't store any of your treasures here on earth. I want it to be as simple, but as potent and powerful as fill in the blank walked with God. Mm. I don't know about you, but I'm not going to have Enoch's show stop me. I'm sorry. I'm a little competitive when it comes to my daddy's attention. <laughs> um, You see what I'm saying? It's just like it has to get to a place that you're like, he's not really asking much of me. He's just asking for harmony. He's just asking for unity. He's asking for us to walk together and let him lead that. God, Absolutely. God, absolutely, here I am, send me. And that's my challenge to you. Mm-hmm, because I feel like you got what you needed, and I, you already got your challenge. So you know what these conversations are, right? They are life-provoking conversations, conversations that not the average person's going to have with you, but who your favorite homegirl. You know my YouTube channel is um, doing what my YouTube channel should be doing, right? But are you a part of the community? I'm not trying to be just, you know, put no pressure, but I'm very much applying that pressure. Created the number two, multiply is all the things for the YouTube. Created the number two, multiply.com is for all the things that are all the things. Don't forget the text and the blogging community that is on Patreon, but it's actually under Strive, the letter N as in Nancy, Inspire, and yo, that's just it. Listen, walk with me while I'm walking with God, okay? <laughs> Like let's walk together. Let's make it a let's make it a family reunion slow walk. It, it, it it's not the swift that wins the race in my opinion no more. It's the one that decided to walk the God, walk with God in the first place. Okay, but all right. Listen, I'm gonna go ahead and let you let me go. We will talk later. Okay, later.